Welcome to Pod Me If You Can, I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And today's film is 10 years old, so if you haven't seen Solaris starring George Clooney, we are going to spoil it here on the podcast. Hopefully you have gone ahead and watched it. As I said, 2002, 10 years ago. This week is Lloyd's choice. So Lloyd, why have you chosen Solaris? Steven Sodenberg directed this. Um... A lot of people, uh, a lot of film historians uh, or film buffs and cult buffs were against this because it was a remake of a classic by Andrei Tarkovsky. Now, Tarkovsky is Russia's greatest filmmaker, above Sergei Eisenstein and so forth. He is a big, huge pioneer, so respected. How much so, Ingmar Bergman himself, Sweden's greatest filmmaker or Switzerland's greatest filmmaker? Anyway, the guy directed Fanny and Alexander, Seven Seal and so forth, said the greatest filmmaker um, ever is Andrei Tarkovsky. He famously did a film, Mirror, and it's got this dream sequence on it, and everyone usually quotes that as the greatest dream sequence ever made. I, I don't know. No, there's that Salvador Dali one. Yeah, yeah. That, that um, dream sequence. In uh, Spellbound. Spellbound, that's right. By uh, Alfred Hitchcock. But uh, Mirror is Sonic Else. It's so bizarre. And his films are amazing. Um, so this is a remake. James Cameron got the, got the rights to it and was going to do it himself and then um, ended up producing and giving it over to Steven Soderbergh. Interestingly, they both did a co- um, commentary on this movie... Um, Steven Soderbergh and James Cameron. I said it right. James Cameron and Steven Soderbergh sit down and do a whole audio commentary. It is a must-listen to all the film buffs out there. Obviously, both of them are Best Director Oscar winners. Yes, and I love Steven Soderbergh. I... He is one of the few filmmakers in history who's ever been able to go one for them, one for me. And that's meaning doing one commercial film, like an Ocean's Eleven, and then doing one film that they want to explore or do whatever, have full control of themselves, such as The Good German or Che or... Full Frontal, in fact, which full is frontal, this yep. very... Um, it's shot all with digital cameras, or almost all with digital cameras, and uh, it stars all these really big-name actors. David Duchovny, Julia mm-hmm. Roberts... And uh, Brad Pitt makes a cameo, and it's this really this very interesting film experiment. That's right, and Much he's like got Sch- such a Schizopolis as well. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I haven't seen that. I got to see that. Um, <laughs> we should probably do that one time. Um, and I, I love Steven Soderbergh. I think he's super intelligent. He's got this incredible relationship with all the actors, like Brad Pitt and George Clooney. At his bidding, they'll come to him right away. If he goes, oh, I'm doing this film, they'll go, yeah, we'll, we'll sign up. It just seems like he's got that relationship with anyone. Mm. So he comes across this film on the heels of Andre Tarkovsky, and they're both huge film buffs, so they'll have huge respect for Tarkovsky. They do a remake. Automatically, that kills their chances with so many of the cult movie buffs. They're like, oh, Hollywood's doing a remake of Solaris. Now, the backstory of Solaris... The Russian government wanted to do a response to 2001 A Space Odyssey. They wanted... That's oh, interesting. Uh, yeah, America did their great... They played their greatest hand, 2001 A Space Odyssey, which was an epic, huge film at the time. So the Russian government went full behind Andrei Tarkovsky and he chose Solaris. I think this is Tarkovsky's only delve into sci-fi. I personally hated the original um, Solaris. It was very philosophical, like um, what Andrei Tarkovsky always brings to his... Um, films heavy you know heavy themes if you guys thought prometheus was huge oh man you should get you got or even blade running go check out solaris at the end of solaris i felt he just it, it, it was just a film daddy didn't love him it just comes back to that despite going to another planet trying to discover this whole thing it just comes back to a, a basic freudian thing where dad just didn't love the main character sort of thing and it's a long long-winded film very high level acting high level directing and so forth 
This remake, I think, and I'm going to say this, it's one of the best sci-fi films of the last 20, maybe even 30 years. I think up there with Blade Runner. I think this film is that good. It is so beautifully paced. The music is extraordinary. The acting is phenomenal. I'm disappointed it didn't become a huge hit or anything like that. Um, you know, I guess people saw George Clooney in the cover went cool and saw it as this very, very... Not boring, but very dramatic. <laughs> you know, no, I know. Um, Steven Soderbergh mentioned um, that if you don't like the film in the first ten minutes, you may as well. You're gonna it. hate it. <laughs> yeah, I was so emotional when I saw this movie. Something about the flashbacks hit a chord with me mm-hmm. when, because um, the guy is so the the main character, and you've seen this if you're listening to this. Chris the, Kelvin, his wife died has left him and he's dead he's walking through life like with this loss and she's dead though she hasn't left him yeah she's dead she's, she's gone dead. sorry yeah. yeah and he's just going through life um uh, so emotionless and i felt so i don't know there's just something about maybe it was george clooney's performance or maybe it was just the character itself how he's just walking through life as an empty vessel and there's this beautiful line at the end where he's just like i'm just going through the motions i'm just giving off gestures just to show i'm alive yeah, he's but I'm saying alive. I, I smile when i need to smile all that oh my stuff. gosh there was something about that line that just rattled my bones you know just hit my soul mm. and everything like that and that wonderful moment at the very end when he chooses like he has that brief look where the girls you know take off brilliant performance by I can't I can't believe I'm forgetting a name. We're talking about the main girl, the the, the uh, wife? African girl. Oh, uh, Viola Davis. Oh, she was amazing. But she's like setting off the rockets, and he has that brief moment. I could either join her and take off, and we can save ourselves, or I yep. could go back and live this this fake world. And he chooses. He closes the door and chooses. Oh my gosh, that was amazing! <laughs> and it brings off the whole Blade Runner thing. Like they're not real, but. Because they when he think- cuts his finger, I was thinking, is he a replicant kind of yes, thing? Yes, yeah, that sort of thing. All those things are implicit, but it, it never answers it in a way. It just says the character has chosen to go back to what he feels he's more alive than mm. what reality is and everything like that. And that's the whole question of Solaris, really. Do you choose to live that dream and be a loafer sort of thing? I, that That's a line from the original. Or do you choose to deal with the harsh realities of existence, you know? And it's such a huge thing. And it's... I don't feel the film goes, this is the right answer. It just said, this is the character and this is what he chose. This Mm. is what's right for him. Mm. Brilliant. See, I mean, this is very similar to The Matrix in a way because... Yeah. Uh, his ignorance is bliss. I think Psy brought that up. That mm. the main character of Psy, he when he's eating the steak, he goes, "I know this is just neurons in my brain telling yeah. me what it tastes like, but oh, ignorance is bliss." And I think there's about twenty percent of the people in the audience went, "Hell yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah." But I guess it's the it's the not well. It's all taken from his mind, right? I mean, yes. so it's it's really almost as if he's you know a battery the way. In the Matrix, yes. raw batteries, you know, powering these alien things. Like, you don't know. Um, I just thought it was really... Well, I didn't hate Solaris. Yeah. I just felt like I didn't know what I'd seen. <laughs> because you watch it and there's so much... Well, towards the end even when you say, like, um, you know, he chooses to jump back. Before it shows him jumping back, it shows, like, what looks like a flashback of him back on Earth. Which isn't him back on Earth, as you sort of figure out. But it's quite confusing as a film. I think maybe he's died and, and become a part of Solaris. That's how I interpreted well, it. I mean, Do you, you mean could, the very ending? Uh, right at the end, yeah. When he's cutting. Just before that, 
Um, it shows him, like you say, looking at Viola Davis and just yes. flipping the switches and stuff. Then it cuts to him in his apartment and stuff and the cutting of the thumb. Yes, and stuff. Yep. So you think, is it a flashback? Because we've only seen flashbacks from his memory. And she has that last line, something like, oh, we don't need to think about that anymore. Oh, that doesn't hasn't happened yet. Um, what happens is he goes back into the ship yes. and then touches the little boy's hand. Yep. And then he has that scene with... Yes. Yeah, but it sort of jumps around too much. And you're sort of like, this isn't immediately obvious what it is. And uh, so it's quite confusing as a film. Um, I was sure that you'd picked this film as one of your favourites, would you say? Yes, definitely. I'd put it... The the best two sci-fi films of the last 20 years is Gattaca and this, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Those are the films that really hit me. And Um, sci-fi obviously includes all monsters, all superheroes. I I don't know about that because um, I don't count Terminator as a sci-fi film, but everyone says Terminator is a sci-fi film. Kind of a time travel film. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it definitely has science fiction elements, but to me it's more of an action movie. Not putting James Cameron down or anything like that, but I don't know, it just feels... I don't know, maybe it is a sci-fi film. If that's the case, then I have to put Terminator there as well. Oh, I was pretty sure you'd picked it because of Clooney's butt. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Look, if you don't know, George Clooney, uh, I don't know if he's ever shown his butt on film before, but here, I was just like, oh, (laughs) okay, um, this is going to happen, fair enough. And on the... um, A few weeks prior to the film's release, in November 2002... Mm -hmm. MPAA, Motion Picture Association of America, uh, assigned the film with an R rating. No, just because of that? Due to two scenes that depicted Clooney's naked backside. Oh, come on. Yeah, and then... Um, <laughs> it's crazy, isn't What's it? What's the film rated? We got the DVD here. Oh, M, yes, yeah, and so it should be. Australian M, yeah. Okay. Steven Soderbergh vowed to have the film's rating appealed, and 12 days before the film's release, they overturned it to a PG rating, PG-13 in America. I, I think the film did really poorly, and even now it's still ignored by a lot of uh, film goers because it's a Hollywood remake. It's mm. um, it's got all that stigma around it, you know. And you look at the front cover: George Clooney and Steven Soderbergh. I can, you know, I, it's I like film go- yeah, yeah, yeah. Film goer will just go, oh, they're just Ocean Elevening, and it's completely ignored. Uh, please, people, go watch this film. <laughs> it's so good. There's just something about that. I don't know that message. Like, you, I, I know, it's like that taxi driver thing where lo- it's all about loneliness and stuff like that. It just hit a chord. Just yeah, you yeah. really enjoy Taxi Driver. I as love well. Taxi Driver. It's yeah. a really personal um, uh, journey into um, alienation and all that. And Solaris is full of that. Mm. And it has for all the sci-fi buffs. It has a lot of that lingo. They're really tech talk, which go- goes over my head a lot of the times yeah. when they're going on about the atoms and stuff like that. And I do. In the audio commentary, they go on about how much extensive work they did with all the space stuff. Like, and they've got James Cameron there, and he's, mm. you know, huge into that stuff, and how there's no sound and everything like that, and all the rockets going off. It all had to be pre- with precision. This film has, I know you really enjoy, like, tones instead yes. of music, and it yeah. has a lot of, like, the soundtrack is all tones and mood and uh, static, and, like, the sound of a room with air in it in, a, like, a space station. It's like you know kind of just this low static at all times and i mean i feel like today's audiences would get bored get bored (laughs) and this is why it wasn't commercially successful i I completely agree with you it's like a cold film because people like this is really fascinating and it is very interesting um but it is also slow it's very slow it's like as um, you said steven soderbergh said if you don't like the first 10 minutes (laughs) but that's it i mean 2001 a space odyssey was slow. Yeah, very there slow. There were scenes where 
uh, ships were docking with each other and stuff that just went for two minutes. <laughs> There's that light Or sequence. the first Star Trek. Oh, my gosh. Uh, have you seen the first Star Trek? No, I haven't oh, seen it's the first Star Trek. Oh, it's been parodied over and over again. There's just no cuts. And Robert Wise, who's a famous film director, directed that. And there's just long shots of the ship coming on. There's just... I guess it's supposed to put you into that mood. And I like... Um, I, maybe that's an extreme example, um, 2001 and Star Trek, but the original Star Trek, the motion picture. Mm-hmm. Um, but The first feature film. Yeah, this isn't that slow, but it brings you into that mood, definitely. I think the whole... Steven Soderbergh is such a genius at crafting anything he wants, and in that genre he it's like he's a master of it's just like oh yeah I can bet out that mm. oh you want a big bluster, big blockbuster hit I can mm. bet out that you know he just does it so effortless effortlessly so I think he won the Oscars for I don't know if he Aaron Brockovich I think he got best director yeah. and yeah. then Traffic best director yep, back to back Traffic, yeah. 1999 he's, he's 2000 he's incredible Ocean's Eleven was 2000 but Four- how different is Ocean's Eleven and this like they're just do you feel like they're just two completely besides having films? the same actor obviously. Yeah, besides having the same actor sure yeah, no it's completely different yeah, genres yeah. and many different genres he's that out of sight as well um, but what's interesting to me is I loved that out of sight <laughs> you love Jennifer yeah Lopez. I love Jennifer <laughs> um, <laughs> after Aaron Brockovich 99 Traffic 2000 Ocean's 11 2000 Full Frontal we mentioned was the independent film then he has Solaris which is kind of like an independent film again an independent blockbuster almost Maybe but those films are big successes. You can... You, you, Sodenberg, for the next five films, do whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess. <laughs> he got Ocean's 12 after that, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is that he's won back-to-back Oscars at this point. Aaron Brockovich and Traffic. And then within two years, he's got Solaris out. You would think that, you know, two-time Academy Award-winning director, and then George Clooney as well... Um, that this film would have been successful, you know? I mean, it's hard to market, maybe. It, yeah, and as you said, it's just too slow. It's not... Um, oh, what were the films coming out at that time? Oh, you had a lot of those, I, I, I guess, Aliens vs. Predator-type style genre. I guess the audience... Whenever you have a sci-fi film, it's kind of like Blade Runner. Um, how, you got Harrison Ford attached to it. Everyone wanted Star Wars. And you look at that movie post, you're like, oh, this movie's going to be incredible. And you watch it, it's this very, very slow-paced, philosophical movie. Thoughtful. You know? Very thoughtful, thoughtful movies. movies. Yeah, and it brings you into a mood. So I, I feel like Solaris is like the Blade Runner of the last decade. Mm. You know, I, I feel, although it hasn't got a big cult, fervish following like Blade Runner, and it's been, you know, that long to see if it did, I feel like... Maybe another 20 years, you'll be much more respected, um, mm. and, and so forth like that. It, 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 in my opinion, it's a lot better than the original Tarkovsky's version. I'm probably going to get flamed a lot on the comments on Facebook and so forth, but it is a lot better. <laughs> so I guess uh, my question to you is, are you going to watch Steven Soderbergh's new film, Magic Mike? I don't know much about Magic Mike. Um, Channing Tatum uh, from 21 Jump Street, Matthew McConaughey. And uh, various other dudes who all are strippers. Um, it's that's Steven. So- I saw a trailer for that for Rock of Ages. That yeah. is Steven Soderbergh. Yes. No. No, it's not. It is. I'm not kidding. He directed it. I, I heard Steven Soderbergh is retiring and going into painting. I have no idea. Oh, it was all <laughs> over Twitter and okay. all these jokes about. It. He says, "Yeah, I'm quitting. I'm just going into painting." I think Ridley Scott's hinted at that as well. All oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well. <laughs> It's interesting because the male form has become far more acceptable to be nude on screen yeah. since, uh, you know, Jason Siegel got naked, full frontal naked. I think we talked about this with American Pie. That was probably one of the yes. first initiators of it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, it's 
Probably not the first. No, but, not the first, but... But it's in a line of yes, many. Yes, yeah, And yeah. so now we've got, like... I mean, you know, Full Monty even was one of those films that was, like, male nudity, you know. Um, and it, it's fair enough. You know, we're equal men and women and stuff, and it's, you know, constantly women who Michelangelo have to Michelangelo did it a long time ago with the <laughs> David. <laughs> so we'll see how Magic Mike is. I hope that's not his last film. I hope he does wow. something more it epic. It doesn't look like a Soderbergh film at all. It looks like a He's feel a good romantic comedy that's he's got to change his ways for this one girl and also Channing Tatum used to be a stripper so it's like oh, okay. his yeah, yeah. story yeah. you know like 8 Mile for Eminem I guess you know this is the wow. Channing Tatum story yeah yeah wow that's interesting yeah well if we can touch on the cast on um Solaris yes mostly nobody other than the great George Clooney of course most of them were nobodies at, at the time yeah at the time yeah, Viola yeah. Davis has gone on to win an Oscar for The Help the hell i haven't seen that no uh, the yeah is she the pretty she's the pretty one she's gordon the african-american oh, okay one. the african-american yeah, yeah 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 the pretty one is from uh californication i know about she's also in ronan i think okay. yeah she yeah, has yeah. those amazing eyes that you know that especially natasha mackenhole or, or something. something like that yeah, yeah in that train scene when nothing is said and they're just staring at each other and she goes off and she really st- or maybe it's the lighting or something but she really stands out amongst the crowd like mm. just her gaze you're like Ooh really pierces your soul <laughs> um, in Californication I don't know if you've seen any of no, that no I haven't seen any Californication um, Hank Moody is uh, David Duchovny and um, she plays his well they never got married so I guess just ex-partner they have a baby together and uh, she's the main love interest okay. through many seasons kind of thing whereas these other women come and go and sure. he's got various other kind of um, women on the go I think uh, the mother of his child is the one he would really like to be with kind sure. of thing so she's um, you know very recognisable now from that as we said Viola Davis in The Help and the other guy uh, Snow the character of Snow is played by Jeremy Davies now he is in Lost he plays uh, Daniel Faraday after season one, four, season four. Oh, okay, because I, I stopped after season. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I see. I, I went through the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he plays Daniel Faraday, and he is almost the same. Wow! Like he's playing it almost the same. Kind of this confused scientific mind. He's brilliant. Some, yeah, yeah. some early spoilers for Lost here. I'm going to get into it a little bit. Uh, not a lot. Don't worry. Don't you know? <laughs> um, on the island. The Daniel Faraday character uh, starts to remember things. Now, he's a brilliant scientist, um, but he tested something on himself off the island and uh, basically ruined his ability to remember and learn and things like that. So he's got like a form of amnesia sort of thing. Yeah, he has a full-time carer, and uh, then he's approached by a rich uh, guy played by Alan Dale, Charles Widmore, and he's told if he goes back to the island, he'll be able to remember things again. And so when he goes back... He's sort of seeing if he has, you know, these mental faculties returning to him. And um, it's interesting because the character of Snow is sort of really confused and seems to not have these mental faculties as well. Yeah, yeah. Which I was really fascinated by because it was very much like watching Daniel Faraday from Lost. Wow. Same Um, sort of character. It's interesting. For that role, they watched him do... um, uh, Stephen Sutton James Cameron watched his audition tape of him doing Charles Manson mm-hmm. and apparently it just hit a chord with them was just like wow this guy's amazing and then they cast him in that role sort of doing a similar thing so um, I don't know if I've seen him in other stuff but I'm hoping he just doesn't play that one thing over and over again <laughs> yeah well I know that, I know one other thing he's been in um, was Rescue Dawn okay. um, which is a Christian Bale film where they're captured 
and basically in this prison camp. And so is that a British film? Really thin for it. I'm not 100% sure. Okay, sure. And uh, he was also in this mental institution movie with Zach Galifianakis. That sounds like a similar role. Well, he was like one of the carers. Oh, okay. So he wasn't in yeah. Yeah. Sure, yeah. So I don't think he was insane. <laughs> he was just like, but he wasn't in it very much. Yeah. Um, it was mostly about Zach Galifianakis, this yeah. young kid, and uh, Emma Roberts, I think, played the girl. Yeah. So anyway, I've only seen him in a few things, but it's very familiar. I mean, it's, it's fine acting. Don't get me wrong. It's very watchable and interesting. I just think it's the same. Bits, yeah. Bit same, same. Did you, was that a big revelation for you to find out that he was the clone copy? He yeah. Wasn't, oh, man. I, you don't know what that blood pool yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And then and you look up and it's him. And he, and in his defense, he's like, no, he just came at me to attack me. Mm. And I, I just, you know, I've defended myself. Defended. And you're like, oh, man, he's he's not real. <laughs> yeah. Like they could shoot him with that laser thing they invent and he would vanish oh that was amazing and what about that scene where he is so shocked of the girl the copy girl he, she, he puts her in a pod yes just lets the pod go oh, oh my god yes, so she's was... just left drifting out there oh my god yeah well that felt like almost like temporary insanity like he was like well I know this is happening and this isn't real and this is what I'll do you know <sighs> if it was a dream kind of thing just the thought of her drifting out there just like oh and she has no idea about herself what's gonna happen oh that that just gave me chills and you still <laughs> don't know what's happening with that no no it was very reminiscent of when he sort of floats out into space in uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey yes yeah yeah you know? just going um, into oblivion now oh yeah Another casting choice, um, you know those two faceless men who are out of focus and come to him at the beginning and basically point him in the direction of Solaris? Yes. One of them was John Cho, who's Harold and Kumar. He's Harold. Oh, the Asian Asian kid. I think he's Korean, maybe? Korean, yeah, yeah. He's brilliant. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yet he's... He's in Star Trek as well. The new Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he's like credited as DBA emissary number one, you know, which I was like, that's really interesting. <laughs> like, I don't know if he was anybody at that stage in 2002, if anybody recognized him or he was just doing bit parts because, you know, mm. make some money, you know. But it was just really interesting that so faceless, but you still could sort of oh, <laughs> make it. Who that is. You see him on the monitor and you're like, Steve hey. says, oh, I wasn't going for that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not right. <laughs> Do you know who the original choice was uh, for George Clooney's role? No. Daniel Day-Lewis. No way. Oh, my God. Yeah. I want to say that would have even been... <laughs> <laughs> Probably would have. I mean, Clooney to an extent is oh, playing George great. Clooney. Yeah, yeah. What's interesting is there's that scene where he's asking her to marry him and he's like, I'm going to keep asking for 15 or 20 years. <laughs> and it was really funny because Clooney is so anti-marriage in real life. Like, nobody can tie him down and... He'll never get married and that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. And he's, but he's playing this character <laughs> who's like, I just want to marry you. And it's just like, uh, that's the only not Clooney thing, like the most non-Clooney kind of thing. It was such a high, um, a high maintenance relationship between the two because it was so intelligent and they just got into these, you know, they just didn't get along with each other's philosophies, I guess, like that. And she was a troubled girl, mm. you know, she had a lot of suicidal thoughts. You Do know, you know she had bipolar? In reality? No, or? in the film. Oh, in the film. Okay. See, see now, I, I didn't pick up on that no, as well. No, I didn't pick up on that. When we did Salmon Fishing in the Yemen, um, Ewan McGregor's character also had a mental uh, illness that was not obvious to us. And this is another one of those films in yeah, Solaris. Yeah. It's not obvious that she has bipolar. Um, it's obviously she's got something wrong. Yes. She's, yeah, but not bipolar. Not a medicated thing like, oh, she's bipolar. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. No, yeah. She, um, she has that scene which is the big clue and it's the one where um 
oh, what happens? She doesn't want to go to dinner. And he's like, people will notice if you don't come kind of thing. And then she goes to dinner and she's like, oh, I hate your effing friends and yeah. stuff. And That was a great scene. Yeah. yeah. And then she's like a completely different person. And that's probably the most obvious sure. sign. But it's never really said. Yeah. How did you find that she's got bipolar? I actually just read it. Oh, it's on, on the movie description sort yeah, of thing. It's, oh, okay, It's like in sure, some yeah. reviews and stuff. Right, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I didn't realize after watching it <laughs> yeah, kind yeah. of thing. Um, yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis maybe would have made this film amazing. Maybe yeah. would have garnered some award nominations. Yeah, definitely. You know? And he would have been of, great, yeah. He's that kind of magnet for awards. Oh, you know? definitely. Wow. Oh, that's a revelation. <laughs> when I was um, watching it, I thought it was really interesting. His life on Earth, you know, he's got those long days, miserable weather. Only six minutes of the film is spent establishing his routine. And how lonely is that routine? Yeah, like- and there's all those shots, really impressive shots of, like, the back of him while he's listening to people talk or he's in a silhouette you know and there's the shot of but, the buildings. and you're so drawn into his mindset it's just like this whole lo- world is going on behind him and he's just this vessel mm-hmm. going through it you know just going through the emotions yeah um i think i was said on the commentary um in this world as technology increases people drift further and further apart right. and i'm seeing that nowadays you know i was at a pub uh, a few months ago and there was this couple two couples uh, and they all had their iPhones out. No mm. one was talking to anyone. You know, that's just crazy, you know. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, that's the way it's going. People yeah. are all online and, you know, social networks. We're, we're just a voice that you guys are probably wrapping your hands or going to, to going on a jog for you. You're just hearing us. Wrapping your hands? Oh, you know, tying up to go... Bo- it's a boxing <laughs> thing. <laughs> um, you know, um, we're just a voice, you know. Um, we, we don't actually see anyone physically or anything like that. But that's... Mm. That, yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but at least we're getting together and sitting next to each yeah, other. Yeah, that's right. No, we're not doing this through Skype. We're actually here together. <laughs> we, may, we may do it through Skype in the future, though. Um, I wrote down the line, you'll be asleep most of the trip, which is what they say to him. You know, and I thought, oh, I hope this isn't the kind of film where I wish I'd slept through. <laughs> And I wondered if that line was going to come back to haunt this film and be like, you know, oh, you're going to hate it. It's going to be so boring kind of thing. You know? It was all a dream. Yeah. I wonder <laughs> if it was going to be all a dream because of that. I hate those movies. I hate it when it's all a thing and it's just a dream. <laughs> mm. Did you feel bad at all for... I mean, if he's doing, like... he There's a phone call, and it's a brilliant bit of dialogue that establishes how long his days are. He says, I've got 7 a.m. free or 6.30 p.m. on this day. So he's working long days, early in the morning to late at night. You know, he's seeing all these patients, right? Then he just goes to Solaris, which is a faraway place. It takes him a long time to get there. He'll be asleep most of the time. Do you feel bad for all these patients who've been making breakthroughs? <laughs> he's, a, he's a shrink. And uh, suddenly, their shrink is gone, and they've got to start again with another shrink. Maybe they were right on the verge of you know, fixing all their problems. He just seemed to have no consideration for all the good work he might have been doing. Yeah, but it was obviously uh, an important thing for him to break away to. But yeah, no, I didn't feel sorry for any of the patients. <laughs> nobody thinks about the patients. No, no. <laughs> it's like in uh, Austin Powers, and no one thinks of the family of the henchmen. <laughs> Wasn't that a gory scene where she tries to commit suicide again? With that acid And then she takes stuff? the ac- uh, acid, and then she comes back to life the resurrection oh my gosh the interesting thing about that resurrection is that like it shows how resilient the like visitors are. yeah yeah and that if isn't that a chilling name they call them the visitors yeah and i love it how you never see the um the science scientific girl um what's her name 
Viola. 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 Um, Name's Gordon in the film. Gordon, sorry, yeah. Um, it was just such a guy thing, I just assumed it was the other mm. guy. Um, guy name. Uh, you never see the kid running around, you just hear him. Oh, was that eerie? Her kid? Didn't, wasn't her visitor the kid? No, uh, Gabarian or whatever his name was. It was his son that was running around. Like, he had seen his own... Like, the guy who killed himself, the suicidal friend... Of George Clooney, who yes. did the video to yes. call him up. Oh, there. that was his son. That was his right. son. Sure, yeah. Um, you never get to know who Viola Davis. Oh, I swear it was, was a kid because you see, it goes not right now, and she shuts the door, and you could hear someone rattling in the background. Well, whether it be a kid or whatever, okay. it's well, chilling whatever how it you never see yeah. that vision. She never explains. I thought that was frightening. I was yeah. like, whoa. <laughs> I guess just on the snow thing with the visitor, how um, Daniel Faraday, uh, Jeremy Davies, snow kind of guy. Um, how he is a visitor I thought the reason I didn't pick it was thinking back is because she treats him just as if he's snow you know she has these conversations well she didn't know did she I guess not she had a suspicion because when they found the body she was like oh I knew it sort of thing yeah 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 that's right yeah yeah so she suspected but the thing about that was like he knew all the scientific things. He knew yeah. everything. I think the there were twins know. in the. Th- that's what I got from it because I was the same thing. I go, how would he know everything yes. that his brother knows? And yes. I'm just assuming they're both brilliant scientists, and one had died tragically or yeah. something. Yeah. Can I throw a concept at you? Yeah. Uh, Gabarian or whatever his name is, um, the friend who summoned him up there. What if George Clooney is just some visitor that he's been pulled from Gabarian's head? You know, and when he arrives, that's what Gabarian wanted or whatever. Yeah, that's right. I think we had too much backstory for that to be true. Yeah. But isn't that a revelation? <laughs> yeah. No, you're probably right. There's too much backstory. Although we had a lot of memories, like all could have been memories that we were watching that were all sort of placed there because of what Gabarian knew about him already kind of thing. Yeah. I guess he wouldn't have known what his life was like after he'd gone to the space station. But... You know, like, anyone can be a visitor just like anyone can be a replicant in Blade Runner, you know? The big question of Solaris and what every viewer asks themselves, Dave, what would you choose? Would you choose Solaris or real life under those circumstances? A bit of an awful question, but if you're in George Clooney's um, shoes. Well, I mean, it's not real. It's like uh, spoilers here for Vanilla Sky. (laughs) Um Please stop now if you are planning on watching Vanilla Sky. Although it was on the other week, so you may have already the just... The Tom Cruise one, right? Just That's a remake watched... as well. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Of a Spanish film with... called Translates to Open Your Eyes. With um, the same girl as well. And sure. Penelope Cruz is Penelope in that Penelope one too. Is, yeah. Now, Tom Cruise has uh, signed up for Life Extension, or LE, which Tilda Swinton is the, the face of. And um, basically it's that his life he's chosen a point at which his life uh to be spliced and suddenly begin this virtual reality world and in that it can be whatever he wants he can be with whoever he wants everything works out for him but that's not life is it no my thing is that i guess under the horrible circumstances of me you know finding myself with a deceased wife the way george clooney is i mean there's always a chance that there's more to do with your life and not in a religious God has a plan for everyone kind of way, but just that I feel like you've created this massive void loss and, um, you know, you no longer have someone. And then you've got to fill that void with something else. You know, whether that be an activity, uh, you know, a volunteering, a new hobby, and you know, you've got to fill the void as best you can 
And I think that's the way life is. Like cast that last line in Castaway, you never know what the ocean's going to bring up. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that's that's almost the same thing, yeah. Because you've got to keep going, you know. Yes. He, it was, I think he said in Castaway, I've thought about just jumping off and, yes. and stuff like that, but, you know, I kept waking up because I never knew what the ocean was going to bring in. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, in Vanilla Sky, he's given the choice to continue this dream you know with all these sort of um characters he's inventing yeah from his childhood and everything or whether he wants to wake up and he chooses to wake up as well and it's because i think it's substance you know um it's a life half lived if you're asleep uh in doing these kind of virtual reality worlds all the time you know i guess it's the same as playing video games isn't it yeah i mean at the end of playing video games you love video games yeah yeah yeah. do you feel like You've wasted your time? Yes, I feel like I've wasted my time. Yeah, yeah. So if somebody put you into a video game, plugged you up to a virtual reality game, and it was very rewarding at the time, um, you'd stay in it all the time? That's such a good question. It's not real, though. No. Like, that's my thing, is that from the minute, you know, we're you know born, what? we're heading towards death. I When I was thinking back, watching Solaris, every time I watched it, I, I always felt um, he made the right decision to go back and that's what, uh, the same decision I would have chose but you just brought that to me oh, it's such a hard thing it's like Prometheus we watched that the other week it's interesting because the ship's called Prometheus in this as well <laughs> is it? <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's called Prometheus <laughs> okay well anyway in Prometheus uh, and spoilers for Prometheus now <laughs> uh, the Guy Pierce character is a very old man and he this, his secret agenda is that he wants to live forever you know he wants to find Fountain of Youth you know um, but that's not the way it is. I think we grow old, we die, that's it. Um, Clooney in this, he thinks you can just make other choices, you know, and that's where he falls down, I think. Um, if somebody's dead in this, they're resurrected, which is bizarre. Um, it's just not how it is, you know, that's just not reality. At least he'll be happy, I guess, in Solaris. In real life, he's lived so many years alone. Mm. and so forth and he wasn't happy at all on earth so he's chosen just to go back even if it is a dream and if it is fake it doesn't matter well it's interesting that like i think do you reckon that's like a 70 30 thing if you were to ask people generally like get them to watch solaris and ask them at the end do you think george clooney made the right decision would you have done that do you reckon 70 percent would say no and 30 percent would say yes. Well, I mean, I think right now we're like 50 50 because yeah, there's I'm, two of us. Yeah, yeah there's two you of us. You think yeah. you would go back? In. I, I think I would, yes. All right, but he was on Earth. Yes. Living a life. Living life. And that even though, like, he has had tragedy happen to him, it's been years and stuff, he is still in that mourning period. And that is why he's chosen this fantasy. Um, had he been, it been 10, 15, 20 years, I think, I mean, there are technological, technological advances. You know, you've got the the tv screen on the glass there in his room i don't know why he's still cutting vegetables like that i haven't sure. invented something for <laughs> yeah. that um but there's other things in this future obviously there are reasons to go out and do things on earth you know like if you were told uh you had 45 days to live you would go off and spend those 45 days doing everything you wanted to do wouldn't you yeah um he's not out doing anything he's he, doing nothing he's chosen to be no, he's... Well, he's in a routine, and he's not changing anything in his life because he wants to keep remembering his dead wife. Yes. And um, what's what that's done to him is made him seem like 
he has no friends. I mean, his best friend is off on a station and that's the reason he goes off to see him. Um, he just doesn't have any contact with people. If you were living like a great life on Earth, I'm not sure you would choose a fantasy life because yeah. on Earth he could always meet another person. I mean, he could uh, not necessarily have the same great love, but he could be loved again, you know. Um, and it's like she says, he remembered her wrong. There was There was two halves to this love story she was brought back all suicidal because of his memories of yes, her yeah. because she had died by suicide and so him remembering her this way he's always going to remember a very kind of skewed his own vision of her it's not going to be a complete person she's filling in the blanks she's yeah. like oh I know things about me but it doesn't feel right yes. and stuff so it's like like a zombie almost you know it's, it's not a person I, I don't think he's going to be surprised by her you know what I mean we don't have to think about that stuff now. Wasn't that the last line? Yes. Was, oh, isn't that frightening? Yeah, but... <laughs> yeah. It was like a cult, almost. Like a brainwashing to me. I was um, I was not won over. I didn't drink the Kool-Aid. I didn't think Solaris was amazing. I thought it was just kind of creepy. Yeah. That it was resurrecting ghosts around you that you could sort of see and touch and stuff. And I didn't think oh wow this is amazing great everyone who's died in my life can be brought back because when people die like we're all gonna die one day you know and it's unnatural um unless you're a vampire or something i mean yeah wow no well said i um, think it was a bit of rambling but <laughs> no 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 you're, you're right no um the movie raises those points and it's I realistic think, yeah i think that's what he likes about it is that it feels like she's back yes whether or not she is yeah and it, it rekindles all those emotions that like maybe he felt for the first time in ages he felt alive that sort of thing mm. that's why he chose it but he had that wonderful moment where all what we're discussing is going through his head as, mm. as he's watching Gordon flicking the switches and he chooses to go back wasn't that one of the most powerful moments you've seen I'll tell you which George Clooney I relate with here is the one that put her in the pod and ejected Wow. Yeah, because that George Clooney is being rational. He's saying this is this not isn't real. Not right, yeah. If this were real, you know, I wouldn't be able to do this. Yeah. You know, put her in a pot and push this button and eject her. And it's painful. You can see it on his face. Yeah. It's hard for him to do. But he knows it's not real at the end of the day. And then he is won over and thinks it is real. Which It's interesting, though, because those <coughs> visitors are alive, aren't they? Like, it raises the question, I think, therefore I am. Like, do we treat them as toys? Do we treat them as nothing? Do we treat them as they're not real? Mm -hmm. Or do we have to accept the fact that they're alive, you know, and that sort of thing? Well, it's interesting that Viola Davis, the Gordon character is able to help her kill herself by using that weapon on her that dissolves her kind of thing. And they record, like, almost a second suicide note, you know, to George Clooney's character. And uh, that, that for me, is this question. It's whether or not, like, it's morally okay to kill this thing that doesn't really exist. Yeah. But yet it's resurrected again. So it's oh. ghostly. It's an yeah. apparition... I like the line where he says, what does Prometheus want? Prometheus is this living planet. Solaris? Ah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. You're right, you're right. Prometheus is, is not the planet. <laughs> yeah, Solaris. I think Prometheus is the ship in this one. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Solaris is this living planet. Um, much like Unicron in Transformers. Sure. If you want, in the cartoon 
feature film. One of the greatest ever. <laughs> with, uh, with Orson Welles as yep. the voice of Unicron. <laughs> Except it's more magical <laughs> than robotic. <laughs> so it... What does it want from us? And then you get this answer from Gabarian, who's visiting him as another apparition. Everything's ghostly. But they all seem to have their own knowledge. And he says, in, sh- in shadow, he doesn't turn the light on. If you keep thinking there is a solution, you'll die here. There are no answers, only choices. And for me, that sums this film up in the sense that, a little bit the same as Lost, there's an episode in Lost where... Now, obviously, Lost was a show full of mysteries. Uh, there's a character called Mother, and she says to her son, yes. if you will, because um, she never gets a name, that's why she's called Mother, um, that every question will only bring more questions and it is the most kind of cop-out way of explaining things it's like saying you'll never understand right and that's exactly what Clooney is told what does Solaris want there are no answers only choices you choose to do what you do and that's how it's going to be and you'll never get the answers you know isn't that frustrating it is in a way but I feel the same way with da- watching a David Lynch film mm-hmm. like uh, people always ask me yeah, I didn't get it and I'm going I, I don't think you're supposed to I think you're just supposed to go through it emotionally experience it experience it, it. Um, and that's a really good point with the, that scene you brought up um, you know you can apply all mankind's greatest science to this thing but you'll die here you know you will never understand this Mm -hmm. there is only one thing Solaris offers you Mm -hmm. the dream or to to live you know a a reality is is that the choice that's what I'm getting I'm getting that like his ultimate wish if you will like his desire is that his wife was alive that he could live with her yes and he's given that you know um the Gabarian's visitor was his son. So maybe he was missing his son. Maybe he didn't have visitation of his son. He didn't get to spend any time with his son. You know. Um, I can't really explain the Snow one because they're like identical brothers or something. Maybe um, they were both scientists. One of them was there. They missed the other one or something like that. You never get to know what Gordon's deal is. But it all seemed to be regarding like things they want you know, um, innermost desires. So I guess it's like, would you have your innermost desires kind of thing, you know, yes. made for you in this in this almost virtual reality world, you know? And he obviously, yeah, and then you have Gordon, who would have been like what you would have done. Gordon would... Well, she wants to get out of there because Go- it's but not Gordon's real. But Gordon's you pretty much, isn't it? Like, that's I guess what so. you would have done. Um, and I would have been the George Clooney. Staying back. <laughs> Wow. Sorry, there's this magical thing that's happening right here. We're talking about these great theological discussions. Uh, Dave's wearing his hoodie, and the sun is coming down just at this slight moment. There's this glow (laughs) around you, and it is freezing cold in my house at the moment, (laughs) and all this mist is coming out. (laughs) I see it. it It's so mystical. (laughs) You're having a bit of a moment now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Very good. Oh, no. I'm I'm glad... um, I'm really glad we did this on the podcast. I'm really glad it came to this discussion because I think our viewers and ourselves as well, just talking to ourselves, we really learnt a lot about each other just from this movie. <laughs> that's, that's pretty amazing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. There is... Um, the, Raya is the wife played by Natasha McEnhall sure. or whatever she is. She says... Um, it's the second version of her. The first one's been sent out in the pod. And she says, regarding Solaris, it created me and yet I can't communicate with it. It must hear me, though. It must know what's happening to me. 
if you think about it in a religious way, if God created all of us, um, it must know what's happening with all of us, this God. I'm calling it an it, because, you know, male, female, it sure. doesn't matter. Um, if a God created all of us and then watched all of us, like, and knew what was happening, whether we were going through suffering and all that sort of thing, whether or not it was a divine plan, it's still detached. And, like, letting... Like, humans have free will. They can make their own choices. It's like, you know, George Clooney gets to make his choice at the end. You know, whether or not to die, I guess. Or to be happy. Yeah. <laughs> or to die and be happy or to live Yeah, life. but does yeah. he die? I guess he sort of does. And then or he goes to a heaven, isn't it? It's, like it's a weird heaven. heaven. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very hard to explain. I'm not sure that I like the choice. Like, yes. you probably like this movie a lot more because of him choosing, choosing that. Yeah, what yeah. he does. And um, the movie centred on that. Where if the movie was taken from a Gordon point of view, oh, I've got to leave this cracker alone, you know, that sort of thing. Yes. I, I don't want to put Gordon down or anything like that. But, um, yeah, it would have been a very different movie. He was a believer, I guess. Yeah. Whereas she probably is more... Oh, that's right, in the question of faith, wasn't it? Because he was always very scientific and the wife um, was very um, religious, wasn't she? Maybe. Like I think it was on that discussion when they had at the dinner table. Um, oh yeah, they did talk about God. God, God, yeah. It has a big religious undertone. This film. sure, yes. And then he chooses, yes. Oh my gosh! Comes and I guess Gordon's around. kind of an atheist, yeah, because she doesn't believe in it. She knows it's made up. They're not real. They're not people. They're not humans. I want humans to win. And it's know. interesting. It's a save. It's the African girl and this an African guy in the movie Prometheus. This thing cannot come back to earth. I think she says that in this movie Solaris, and she, yeah. she she goes this this. Solaris. It's definitely a similar. Yeah, yeah. Thinking, this yeah. Solaris can't come back to Earth. We gotta nuke that boy. <laughs> uh, you can listen to our Prometheus podcast if you want to hear all about that. Um, oh, that that podcast has brought up a lot of points with a lot of people. That's cool. <laughs> um, right at the end, when Clooney says, "Am I alive or am I dead?" That's really what it is. Yes, you know that weighs it up right there. I think it and, is and heaven. Yes, and she says that that doesn't matter. Doesn't yet. matter. Yeah, yes. yeah, and and yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's tough, isn't it? Yes, yeah. it's a lot of ideas. There's a lot to it in 99 minutes. Um, it does remind me a lot of Prometheus of 2001: A Space Odyssey uh, and Moon. Which is a Sam Rockwell film. I gotta watch that. I gotta yeah, check that out. Which we're thinking about putting on this podcast too. So um, uh, it's very interesting if you can check it out. You poor listeners, you've had many. You've had to hear Tree of Life of Solaris and all these theological discussions. Melancholia, <laughs> melancholia. Yeah, no, that's right. Anyway. Yeah. Well, go check out these films. It just raises all these points. Um, that's why a lot of the times we choose these films because it raises these these issues and yeah. Yeah, I think, well, this one was your choice. Yes. Um, but obviously, um, yeah, it brings up a lot of what you want to talk about kind of thing. Yes. So we'll keep bouncing the ball back and forth. <laughs> Next time on the podcast, we are going to explore a comic book film. Uh, we're going to see whether or not The Amazing Spider-Man, starring Andrew Garfield, whether or not it's better just for not having Tobey Maguire in it. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we will get into that next week. Yep, definitely. All right, guys. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. All the best. All the best.